What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Backflip Podcast. I'm Aaron, here with Derek. This is episode 7. The time flies. Yes. This is exciting. We've got a good one for you today. We've got more stuff to talk about, but uh, first I need to handle what's important. Oh, yeah, that sound better. <laughs> uh, today, again, we got a got a full one for you. Uh, Derek and I are back together. This time, not doing any of the Skype stuff again. That was such a headache. But we are but sufficiently distanced apart. We are. Still abiding by that. So, how's your week been? Uh, it's been it's been good. We've been super busy at work. You know, um, I work for the, uh, you know, the shipping company. We know. That's, that's orange and purple. Still not. The uh, formula, former orange and green, that is now orange and purple. Or, sorry, purple and green is now... Uh, they they're way behind from what I understand. So, um, there's I've heard of uh other stations that you know, of a company that I work for have been subcontracted in to help them catch up with their stuff. So I'm just hoping it doesn't happen to me because I like having my weekends off, even though I've been doing a whole lot of yard work the last couple of days. So, still still getting after it. Still getting the honeydew list done. So we officially have sports coming back. We do not baseball, but. That's okay. We have NASCAR is officially starting at Darlington on May 17th. Is yes. the first first race back. So And they're going to run like 7 stoked. races in 11 days. Oh yeah. They're going to be putting the drivers through the ringer. It's not going to be only the one division though. All three divisions are going to be racing in those 7 days. But Yeah. But it's good news because it definitely spells the fact that uh some you know some of these states that are starting to starting to loosen their lockdown status. It definitely seems like it could be uh, tilting in baseball's favor yeah. to start coming back, especially in some of these states. And since the last time we recorded, even just a few days ago, well, I guess it was Monday. Yeah. But, anyways, even even since then, there's been a bunch that's changed. Like again, states have loosened or lifted the stay-at-home orders. Uh, essentially ending quarantine and, and allowing people to get back into the new normal, I guess. So it is uh, exciting to see where this is going to take us and the, the opportunity that it's going to be able to give sports. Like hockey's now starting to talk about when they want to restart their season. Yeah, I saw Basketball. that. I saw the hockey thing today, but they have they have so few games left that I was yeah. I just heard that or reading and this is toxic, so don't ever do this, but reading the Facebook comments, ninety five percent of people oh, are like terrible. just just cancel the rest of the season and just go straight into the playoffs. Yeah. If you ever get lost in comments, it, it's a deep, dark hole. Yeah, don't do that. You just end up like a hundred comments later and you're like, What is going on? Well, half the time these people are like don't know what they're talking about either. Or that. And it's like their opinions have no basis. I remember somebody somewhere said Mike Trout was not a really good player. It's like in the one scouting of the baseball report things. in the show 2011 or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like, have you ever watched the guy play right. or anything? So, yeah, it's it's good news, like I said, for, for baseball. The, the tough thing, well, leading into what we were going to talk about on this, uh, they're, they're talking about possibly letting teams play games in their own ballparks instead of this whole three-state plan that we talked about last time again you you don't know what's going to change 
week to week. Who knows with them lifting some of the stay at home orders, there may be a spike and then spike of cases and we may end up back in the same boat we were just in. But try to be optimistic. The Again, like football changed their idea. They thought they were going to either be postponed or have no fans for a while or something like that. But now they're like, no, we're looking to start on time and have fans in the stands and everything will be okay. But we'll see. Yeah, the um, looking up right now, there's a pretty stringent list going back to the NASCAR thing about all the requirements yeah. that are going to be mandated at the tracks. Mm-hmm. So there will be no fans, obviously, at these NASCAR races over the next few weeks. Uh, but they're still trying to figure out a way to possibly let fans camp outside the track or whatever. Huh. I saw a little story about that. But basically what's going to happen with, with NASCAR, and we're obviously not a NASCAR podcast, but this is the first real sport we've had in a while, so we're kind of locked in. Uh, they're going to basically... Um, where it says they're working with health officials to determine how many people can be at the track as far as race personnel and team personnel. Uh, they're saying teams are being asked to monitor those who go to the track for five days prior to the race. So huh. that's pretty smart, right? If anybody starts showing symptoms before the race, they obviously don't yeah, want them to go to the out. track. So they say that the temperatures will also be taken upon entry throughout the race weekend, and any symptomatic uh, people will be sent to an area outside the infield medical care center so that nobody in, inside could get possibly infected. Right. Um, and they're also trying to see how people take logs of anybody that they interact with so that if somebody does come up they positive, know. they know yeah. who to contact. Um, everybody will be required to wear masks and the pit crew will have protective gear with a fire retardant head sock or face shield. So it's, it's a, like I said, it's going to be pretty strict on who's in and who's out. But like I said before, it's good news for baseball because they could even enact some kind of similar setup at the ballparks yeah. that are that the, that everyone's going to be playing, right? I still, regardless, I still think sports in general for the rest of their respective seasons, if they do come back, I think there's a very big likelihood that there won't be fans throughout the season. Especially basketball and baseball, uh, with baseball just starting, I think it may run at maybe at least the whole regular season without fans. But it's gonna be it's gonna be a little while. They may just be a little extra cautious, just just to make sure. But yeah, I think before they allow forty thousand people in the same building, it will probably be at least October. Yeah, maybe November. So maybe by the time the the pros playoffs would start could see some fans and maybe they won't go full capacity maybe they'll only allow 50 percent capacity right right and require a seat between people or something who knows so that's good news though like we said um i'll definitely be looking forward to watching some of that yeah we may be talking sooner rather than later the the july 1st thought that we talked about last time may be a, a good reality now yeah a realistic goal but- but we'll see, and really NASCAR is going to be the first sport that's going to be quote-unquote testing this. So you already know that uh, pro sports, other than them, are going to be keeping their eye on it to see what all they would have to do 
and how it works, all that kind of stuff. I still think it's going to be funny, not funny, that's not the right word, but which sport blinks first? Which for, which sport is the one that's going to allow their fans in first? Yeah. Because it's no, not necessarily... It no, you do it first. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to necessarily be the first one to be like, hey, we don't care, we're going to ex- potentially expose our fans to this. Right. But at the same time, I feel like once you kind of get, you know, a lot of people, especially here where we live, where they're starting to lift this, where the, you know, stay-at-home order... Uh, a lot of these people are going to be just like enough is enough, and I'm going to just do whatever I want. We had, yeah. we had we're already uh, getting there, right? We had somebody in our state. We live in Nevada, so we have, like I said, we've been under uh, stay at home order for a while now. But we had somebody this last week, a barber opened mm-hmm. up his shop, basically citing the fact that he had no money left and he had to get back to work or he was going to lose his business. Well, he got popped for a thousand dollar fine. So it's still one of those things where you're not sure, you know, when this is all going to happen and when everything's going to start slowing down enough to allow some of these events to take place. And here's essentially the guidelines that we have so far. They're still essentially talking about limiting cross-country travel as far as when baseball gets back underway. So you're not going to have Boston going to... Oakland or Oakland going to Boston or you know anything like that really they're going to stay teams in the west will stay in the west teams in the central and teams in the east they'll stay there they'll play kind of like we within, talked about last yeah, time they'll play within their league or within their division it doesn't whether it's AL or NL against one another or just division battles that's really where they're going to be limiting the schedules to and right. it's easier for them to set the schedule that way with less games as well. so You might run into a little bit tougher situations with trying to run double headers. Yeah. But you could pack a four-game series into it three days, right? You could yeah. do, you know, if you want to do a four-game series, you could do it a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then have an extra day off. Um, we were talking about this a little bit last time, and I kind of figured out how I could make the schedule work. So if you play four, 15 games against your division rivals, mm-hmm. that's 60 games. That leaves you 40 games against five other teams, so that leaves you eight games. So you can play two four-game series against the other league and basically set it up to where those are doubleheader weekends. And, you know, you're still playing pretty much every day. Maybe you play yeah. five Maybe you play five games a week. I would still like them to play at least six games a week and you know, because during the season you get, you know, 10 days in a row, 12 days in a row. Right. Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily something that the teams want to do at this point, but I know that players are creatures of habit and they want to start getting back into doing what they're doing. Right. Yeah, staying at home isn't isn't cutting it for their training anymore. Right. Like you said, you can you can do all the hitting in your cage, throwing in your backyard bullpen sessions, but yeah. nothing beats live action games. Nope. You know, you that's why you know, when the spring training starts, they're only in their full squad workouts for like two days before they start playing games. Three right. days. And here's kind of into our into our next topic. Here's where you have all of these different port, you know, parts of baseball: the umpires, the players, all these people that now are going to have to agree on numbers where they're going to be cutting pay. Umpires already agreed. 
that we don't know the exact numbers, but they agreed to take a pay cut because they're going to be having a shorter season. So now they're going to have to get the Players Association on board for the players. There's still more fine print stuff that needs to get taken care of. But again, we're, we're taking the right steps forward and getting to the point that a season's looking more and more possible or really probable this year. So I've got um, the, the story here. Bob Nightingale tweeted that the umpire's pay will be cut by about 30% compared to normal season. Okay. The league had originally touted 30%, and the umpires came back with 20%. Or sorry, the league was 35%, and the umpires came back with 20%. Yeah. So kind of in the middle, they settled on a 30% deal. And it will be... Uh, It'll still be able, you know, we'll still have to be able to have umpires on the field, obviously, which is good because you can't have officials. Right. You can't not have officials right. in a professional sporting event, you know, because if a, if a catcher didn't have an umpire behind him, everything's a strike. Yeah. And it, <laughs> it's different. Like, obviously, they're going to limit uh, only essential people in there, into the clubhouses, onto the fields, all of that kind of stuff. So they're still having to be there. But the bottom line is there's going to be less games that they're going to need to be umpiring. But you're talking still where you're going to have certain squads that have to do double headers, probably more than normal. You're probably going to be searching for umpires that, again, can stay on the West Coast, you know, or from West Coast, from Central, and from the East Coast and just stay there. So they're not having to travel same with the players, coaches, all that. So, yeah, the the umpire deal was one thing that nobody was really thinking about because it's all the league is obviously very player driven. Right. And I saw a thing today when I was just going through the wormhole of looking at baseball stuff. The league's payroll for players alone is going to go over four million dollars next year, or four hundred million dollars. Right. Sorry, uh, that it's like. 2019, it was 399 million. So 2020, 2021, it's definitely going to go over 400 million. Uh, it was just 2013, I think, was the first year it was over 300 million. So Jeez. six years, it's gone over 100 million. So with the players getting all the money, nobody thinks about the umpires getting paid. And it's a good thing that that they're able to work out a deal with that there. So what's uh. Get into this Trey Mancini story. Yeah. From well, it really broke during spring training. It, he he took some time away from the team for a non. I think the verbiage that they used was a non baseball related health crisis. Not crisis, but injury. Yeah, baseball. They, they definitely beat around the bush as much as they can. Right, without saying what it was, and that led led to rampant speculation from everybody. Yeah. And overwhelmingly, everybody was saying, "Oh, it's got to be cancer." Why else would it be? Why else would he be taking time away from the field if he wasn't hurt for right. baseball reasons? It's, and some of the things that I saw were, you know, maybe he's got depression, which happens, right? Zach Greinke went through it. He almost quit baseball in two thousand six because social anxiety and depression. Right. But you got, you know, just a, a player at the top of his game like Trey Mancini is, 
And it comes out that he's And got, essentially the anchor of a team like the Orioles. Yeah, he's... So basically the story came out this last week that he's got stage 3 colon cancer, which is definitely not good. He's uh, going to be in chemo, starting chemo in March. Through He's going to be in chemo and will not play, as far as I understood it, in 2020. And uh, we hope that he's able to, to overcome it and come back in 21. Yeah, I mean, it. it's... You know, prayers out there for a, a speedy and and as easy as possible recovery. But it's it's hard. Like a, a lot of people don't again don't realize that these players have lives outside of yeah, they're human entertainment. Beings. And you know this this is just one of those like rocks that that hit hard and you know a person's well being is really in jeopardy here. And it's it's dark, but you know he's he's been been posting and and being very optimistic throughout all of this uh you know just keep you know keep him positive and yeah if you haven't read it he he I haven't gone through to read the whole story but he wrote an article for the players tribune and from what I was uh, able to gather from it I mean it wasn't an easy thing for him to write the article it wasn't easy for him to talk about it but it's good again that he's Working, you know, he's working through it, and he's going to be able to hopefully get back on the field sometime soon. I mean, mm-hmm. we all tend to think of these guys as just immortal robots, They're indestructible. <laughs> just go out there and play baseball for our entertainment, and not realize <clears throat> that they're, you know, actual human beings with with families and and everything. It kind of takes me back to going back to the NASCAR thing, the Daytona 500 crash with Ryan Newman. Right. And everybody just, everybody saw the crash and they saw how spectacular and terrible it was at the same time. But they didn't think about the fact that Ryan Newman's a human being with two young daughters and a family. And, you know, everybody wanted to get the interview with him because they wanted to find out, you know, what he went through. Yeah, just give him some time. You don't, yeah, you don't. (laughs) A lot of times you don't realize the human side of a lot of these athletes. And whenever they go through something like this, it's let just... Them, yeah, let them heal. Let them do their own thing. They'll they'll talk when they're ready exactly. to talk. So, I mean, Ryan Newman will be back in the car, by the way, in, in uh, Darlington. Oh, uh, yeah. He was medically cleared. So yep. that's good news there on that. that. So, yeah, I mean, and he's not... Trey Mancini's not the only person to go through this cancer thing, right? Right. Try, Chad Bettis... Um, you got the Indians, Carlos Carrasco. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a pitcher, Jameson Tyon, on the Pirates. All three of those guys had cancer and came back yeah. to pitch. Rizzo, Lester. That's right. Rizzo had cancer. Yeah. I mean, there's that. There's been a list of them, but as you know, the sp- sports continue moving forward. You're under a bigger m- microscope as far as with social media and the way really the media is nowadays, everybody's got a closer eye on you. So something like this happens, everybody wants answers right now. So now that he finally made a statement and we have all those answers, you know, just, again, hope for a a speedy recovery and look forward to seeing him back out on the field. So did you see, uh, so the Players' Championship for the show ended? Blake Snell just dominated the whole thing. I feel like I didn't really, I didn't watch it today because I was out in my yard working. But 
I heard that uh, it wasn't even close. The championship no. wasn't even close. He, won, he scored like six runs, and Giolito was like, all right, yeah, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> so, yeah, congrats on Blake Snell for that, and hopefully he'll just keep dominating on the mound. Yeah, hopefully like, now this means, though, that they're done with that. They can start doing some actual training, get ready to, to revamp spring training. Yeah. Now almost summer training. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be... Like, it's, like we said before, I mean, they'll they'll have they have about a month to work out a deal if they want yeah. to start, quote unquote, air quotes, spring training in June to be able to get opening day before July. But hey, if they want to get 1st. that done faster, feel free. I mean, the sooner we can get baseball back, the more we have more things to talk about. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, how about Albert Pujols announced that. He wants to play past his contract with the Angels. So he wants to keep playing after 2021. Uh, Pretty sure he's like 50 years old. Yeah, no, I'm I'm saying just go hang it up. He signed this mega deal after St. Louis winning the World Series in 2011. That really, if you ask a lot of people, he hasn't really been worth it. The first he's couple still, years he was. He's still good, but... He's, he's not definitely 35 on the million. back end of his career. He's not $35 million a year good anymore. Right. But, yeah, he came out with this story. Well, he didn't come out with it. I think he was quoted. Uh, he Hold on. The deal Pujol signed was a 10-year deal for $240 million, and it is set to expire, like we said, after 2021. Albert Pujol says... Like this, he says, while 2021 is my last year under contract, that doesn't mean I can't keep playing. He said that to ESPN.com's Alden Gonzalez. He says he hasn't closed the door. He says, I'm taking it day by day, year by year, but you haven't heard from my mouth that I'm going to retire next year or that it is going to be my last year or that I'm going to keep playing. I haven't said any of that. When that time comes, we'll see. Just because you have one year left on your contract doesn't mean it's your last year. It could be, but it could not be. God hasn't put that in my heart yet. You have to ask yourself who's who's going to pay for you. Uh, again, you're old. You you've done a lot. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer slam yeah. slam dunk. Hang it he, up. He's going to be 41 at the end of 2021 season. So if he signs a new deal, it'll be at 42 years old. Right. And not everybody's Tom Brady. They can't play at 42. And even you you say a team signs him as a DH. His his batting, his slash line hasn't been the greatest. Well, and like especially I said, over the last five years, I was saying, like I said, he's slow, right? Right. And he's not. The he can't play. He can't play the field anymore. You are. Right. It, yeah, I, last I've year, really enjoyed watching the guy, but yeah, he had surgeries on uh, his elbow and knee in 2018. So in 2019 was his first fully healthy year in a while. But he only hit 244, 305, and 430. And he hit 23 homers and 40, 545 plate appearances. Good for a negative 2.6 war. Yeah. I mean, as a DH, you can't be hitting 245. Nope. You, you can't have a negative 2.6 war. <laughs> like, again, you're, you're just going to be a DH, but it's a big offensive spot that you need to at, at least have – like your OPS needs to be through the roof if you're going to have an average that low. I mean, look at David Ortiz in his last year. 
The guy hit, what, he hit over 300. That was, like, one of his best years. But, <laughs> but he said for a 7 o'clock game, he had to get to the ballpark at 10 a.m. And yeah. had to have so much medical treatment done that... His body would just hurt all the time. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't tell on the field. But, yeah, he said that he just couldn't take it anymore because his body was so broke down. Yeah. And having to get to the ballpark 10 hours before a 7 p.m. game because you need all the treatment and the massages and everything just to feel good enough to put your spikes on every day. We're, we're, we're at a really a, a changing of the guards, I feel like, with a lot of positions and a lot of players, at least that I watched growing up, that are now you know retiring or really just being outplayed by this younger generation. Yeah. I uh I've been mentioning I've been watching the 2012 postseason. Yeah. And so Derek Jeter in 2012, mm-hmm. I totally forgot he was 38 years old. Yeah. I mean, you can't do it forever, right? It was I don't remember what movie it was from, but I remember somebody saying uh in a movie, you know, it's a children it's a kids game. It might have been Moneyball actually. The, the this quote yeah. was in it was, you know, it's a kid's game, and everybody at some point hears, you can't play the kid's game anymore. I don't remember, that's not the exact quote, but it's something like that. Yeah, I think that was Moneyball. So, but, on to the real meat and potatoes of the show today. Yeah, the fun. Speaking of changing of the guards and, and all of that, we are ranking our top ten second baseman. And I have never put so many players with less than a year of service time on a list yeah. ever. Spoiler alert, Robinson Cano is not on my list. Not on mine either. Right. <laughs> because he's 37 years old or whatever. Yeah. I don't know how old he is. He's old, though. And it's all about young talent, especially at second base. All right. You you go first. Want me to go first? Yeah. I went first last time. But That's I'll go fine. First let, me, let me pull up the list here. Okay. So uh, I'll do... MLB.com's list after we do ours like usual. But I just want to say this little uh, note here that on MLB.com's list, there were only two players in the top 10 that had ever been ranked before as second baseman. Yeah. So eight players on the list for MLB.com had never been ranked before. And I kind of feel like it's the same way with ours too because um, I think I have those two players on my list as well. But... Uh, yeah, so I'm going to start, again, we'll go 10 through 6, and then we'll kind of alternate from there. Uh, number number 10, I have Twins second base phenom prospect guy, who's not really a prospect anymore, I guess, because he's in the big leagues, Luis Arias. This guy came up and just was hitting the ball like nobody ever saw coming. Uh, he had played only 92 games last year, so his total... MLB experience is only 92 Super games. Super young. <laughs> right? He hit 334 in 92 games. Uh, had four home runs and had 28 RBIs, so not eye-popping numbers there. But the average definitely plays, and he only had four errors in 151 chances over there. Um, he played everywhere on the infield. He played the most at second base, and that's probably where he's going to be slated to play because they've got some, we got a good shortstop and a good third baseman in Miguel Sano over there. Uh, number nine, I had Toronto Blue Jays second baseman Kevin Biggio, a son of Hall of Famer Craig Biggio. Who? 
<laughs> I've never heard of the guy before. He played for that team that's not the Texas Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> um, he also was a rookie in 2019. He had played 100 games, but and he only had a 234 average, but I think that's going to go up as he learns the league, and especially in that ballpark. You're not going to hit 234 in Toronto. No. Uh, he'll, he had 16 home runs, though, and 48 RBIs and 354 plate appearances. So that, that plays... Um, if you if you take that home run average out to 162 games, that's 26 homers. That's pretty good out of a second base. Yeah. So, you know, I think Kevin Biggio's got a pretty pretty strong upside. He'll probably win a Gold Glove at some point in his career. I think, especially if he can stay healthy. Colton Wong is my number eight second baseman. Uh, he's been in the league for the longest out of any well second longest out of anybody on my list in 2013. Uh, always been a really good defender, although in the uh, 2013 World Series, he did get picked off at first base Never to end the game. That. What was it, game five? Uh, game four. Yeah, game five. <laughs> no, then the Red Sox win it in five. It, was game, it had to have been game four because they played another game after that. Oh, yeah. Um, but he won the gold glove last year. I didn't realize that till I started doing some research on him. He had uh, nine errors and 480 chances. As bad has never really been a huge upside to him. He only at 260 uh, as a career hitter. He had, I don't know if you guys saw, but he had, I posted during spring training, I shared a video. He had a gnarly double play that he Oh, turned. right. I do remember seeing uh, that. Yeah. Like, could have been the play of the year already, and it was like the second week of spring training. Just it, unfair. The like, Giants have his little brother in uh, yeah. their farm system. So hopefully his little brother's half. Well, not half as good a player. Hopefully his little brother's just as good. <laughs> <laughs> Number seven, I have Keston Hira from Milwaukee, the third rookie player on my list. Yeah. Um, like I said, second base is definitely under the changing of the guard, like Aaron said. Lots of rookies, lots of young players. Uh, he only played 84 games last year, 19 homers and 49 RBIs. In Milwaukee, a park's pretty hitter-friendly, but it's the division's pretty hitter-friendly. But still, to come in and hit almost 20 homers in only 85 games, 84 games. Right. And uh, he only had four errors in 97 games also. So he... he it's a good line. Good it's a pretty line. good glove. Oh, and he hit 303. So, you know, he, he, he was over there at second doing pretty good, good, good work over there. Number six is Tampa Bay second baseman Brandon Lau. Another guy that's pretty young. He's only been in the league for two years. He played, came up in 2018. Uh, he had, um, he's got a possibility to hit 30 homers and drive in 100 if you take his 162 game average. He's, he's definitely a good hitter, uh, and he also, oh sorry, Keston Hira. Sorry, I had the backwards. I was looking at the wrong list. Keston Hira had 16 errors in 84 games, so he's got to work on the glove. It was Brandon Lau, who only had four errors in 97 games last year. And I think he'll win a gold glove, too, um, in the future. So that was my my 10 through 6 was Arias, Biggio, Wong, Hira, and Brandon Lau. All right. All right. So to start my number 10, I got Colton Wong. Uh, 9, I have Keston Hira. 8, I have D Gordon. D. Gordon. Yeah. I didn't even consider him, <clears throat> excuse me, for my list. I mean, I, he had he had a rough year last year, but that 
you can't deny the speed that he has out there. It it shows in his defense and obviously on the base paths, but um, solid de- solid defender with that speed. He's able to turn some some good double plays. He made that one good desperation double play in in uh, yeah. L. A. When yeah, he, when he dove and the ball bounced like out of his glove, and he basically <laughs> just swiped at it and it rolled the second base. Yeah, hey, whatever works. Uh, seven, I have Kevin Biggio, and six, I have Glaber Torres. Ooh, he's not so. on my list. I thought he was playing third. No, that was Andujar. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have. I don't have Torres on my list. That's yeah. that's a good one. All right. So, I mean, Torres is is. Definitely a stronger offensive player, but really he's well worth putting him out at second base. He's kind of a big guy. I feel like he needs to work on his agility a bit, but did did pretty good. He's still young and he but he's he's gonna get the defense will come around and he always just be another stacked player. Or another good player on that stacked Yankees team. He always seems to come up to the plate in key situations and just crush the ball, too. Yeah. I mean, how many home runs did he hit last year when the team was down and gave him a lead? Oh, it, <laughs> I couldn't even tell you. But, all right, who's your number five? My number five is Whit Merrifield. Okay. And uh, not on the MLB.com list for some silly reason. Uh, he had He's a career 296 hitter. Last year he hit, sorry, uh, yeah, so career, 296 hitter. He had over 200 hits last year. And uh, he also led the league in steals in 2018 with 45. 45 steals at second baseman Mm. in 2018. He stole 20 last season, and he hit 10 triples. Uh, He did an interview with with that Starting Nine podcast during his spring training, and he was pretty entertaining. Basically, he says that uh, whenever he hits a ball into the gap, he's always thinking three. He always wants to get to third base. You know, sometimes it just doesn't work out. But, yeah, you, you don't hit – and he's kind of aided, right? In Kansas City, he's got a huge outfield yeah. to get some to get some triples, and the guy can fly. So um, I like him as a player. I, he's really – I feel like he's really underrated because he plays in Kansas City with they not a really, good team. They haven't been – yeah. They haven't been getting any kind of love over there. Yeah, so he's he's definitely the uh, shining star over there. What about number four? Oh, you want, oh I thought you were going to do five. Yeah. All right. Well, my number four is the guy who plays on second base for the team that's not the Texas Rangers, the other in-state rival, Jose Altuve. You can think which one about 2017, where he won the MVP, asterisk, over there should have been judged anyway, stat-wise. But Altuve has always been a really good hitter, not 2017 notwithstanding, like I just said. Uh, he's always, you know, he's always a guy that's going to get close to 200 hits despite his size. And he's got a lot of power in that bat. I don't know if I've ever <laughs> seen anybody that small generate so much power. The bat's as tall as he is. <laughs> yeah. And he's always had a really good glove, right? I mean, especially for his size, he can get to pretty much anything. Yeah. Good speed, steals bases. You know, he's he's a good player, he's, even though he's pretty – he gets, you know, a lot of crap now because of what happened with Houston. But he's still a really good player. Again, like I've said before, you got to give credit where credit's due. Yeah. So, 
All right, my number five, I have Brandon Lau. Uh, my number four, I have DJ LeMayhew. Okay. So him and Glaber kind of split duties at second. LeMayhew was strictly second base in Colorado. And really, like, for how big he is, he's 6'4", playing second base. He's a big guy. It's But it's... You think about someone like him and Altuve playing second, right? He's he's big, but he's still quick. So it's it's harder. He covers with way more ground. It seems like, you know, he lays down. It's like two Jose Altuve. <laughs> so a three time Gold Glove, Silver Slugger. He's got a mean bat. So definitely a, a he's a good good one over there and. The Yankees are spoiled with him and Torres being able to kind of split duty. I was going to say two second so, basemen from the Yankees for you. I And I mean, no Red Sox, I'm sure. No, but I am excited. I think Michael Chavis could be good. Like he's, I don't know if he's going to be Dustin Pedroia. I wish I could put him on my list, but he hasn't been relevant for a few years. So, all right. So, uh, Go three through one. All right. Well, I'll go three and two, and then we'll okay. then we'll do one. So number three for me, Ozzy Albies. Okay. At, from Atlanta, this guy, another super young player. Um, he's only been in the big league since what twenty seventeen. Yeah. And he's a career two seventy nine hitter, but he hit two ninety five last year. So the average is going up. He's gone up each season since he's been in the big leagues. Spectacular defender. I mean, oh, this yeah. guy gets anything hit. Within 10 feet of him, either direction. And His gets, flash reminds me of Baez a little bit. Yeah, he gets, also not on my list, but stay tuned for shortstops. Short yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he gets up and gets it. Like he, yeah. It's like somebody hits a line drive. He like runs to the dugout, gets a ladder, stands on top of the ladder yeah. to get it. I mean, this guy can get anything. Yeah. Um, Standing on top of a refrigerator he'll, out there. He'll definitely win a gold glove. Without yeah. a doubt. Hands down. Sooner rather than later. And... And uh, it's, he was the first real prospect that Atlanta brought up of this young core that they have. So Albies, it was it was fun to watch. It's well, it is fun to watch him and Acuna. Yeah, yeah. I, I like Ozzy Albies each a other. lot. Like, they remind me of um, uh, God. I'm drawing a blank. The Rangers, uh, Beltran and um, Andrews. Yes. Yeah. They it, it's similar. To that, like they remind me of them, so that'll be that'll be a fun one to watch, especially as they get older. So, who's your number two? My number two is Lemayhew. Okay, uh, I like Lemayhew a lot. I mean, he's a really, like you said, a really good defender, great hitter. Uh, twenty sixteen, he won the batting title with a three forty eight average. Yeah, Con- there was some controversy with that though because he didn't play the last day of the season, so his average wouldn't go down because he was in a tight race. I don't remember who. He was- who it was, but he only won the batting title by like one point. Mm. Uh, but so that was pretty controversial the way he won it, but he still did win it. You can't take it away from him there. But last year, like you said, he platooned, not, not really platooned. He split time yeah. over there. He only played 75 games, second base. Um, and he played third base and first base and DH a little bit while, while the Torres was playing. Yeah. Um, with Stanton DHing. He had 93 starts that were not, at second base. Huh. So it's one of those things where 
is he going to stick at second base or is he going to get shuffled around? Is I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. Like they have Voight and they have Torres, and then I but I think they you got even rid go of Torres. You could even yeah, or Torres isn't there. That's I'm yeah. thinking Andujar. You could put Andujar at third base and you might be able to shift Lemayhu or Torres to shortstop and kind of Torres is normally second and short. Yeah, like he'll bounce back and forth. I like Lemayhu on that side of the field, whether it be second or first. Well, he's played there his whole career. That's, yeah, that's so, where he should stay. Definitely. All right, my number three, who I think is your number one, is Cattell Marte. This guy, we are super spoiled because we got to see him come up through Reno. So For a minute. Yeah, so? He was, tra- he was traded. Oh, whatever. Over. But yeah, well, he we did... still got to watch him. For a minute. In Reno. And it was a it was a blast, and he it's so it's cool it's cool to see him up there, really really crushing it again. Super, he's he's got flash. Just turns double plays that you don't think are really possible, and he makes it happen. Uh, my number two is Ozzy Albies. So again, can't can't really say enough good enough good things about him. So, all right, now on to the number ones. You would be correct. My number one is Cattell Marte. Shocker. Uh, he was never really, a f- uh, his bat was never really his strong suit. It was always his glove until 2019. Yeah. He hit 329 with Arizona last year, which was by far his highest batting average. He was running 270 before that. Came over in the trade with Seattle that like I mentioned before, that was with the Taiwan Walker trade. Mm-hmm. It was Taiwan Walker and Cattell Marte for Gene Segura and Mitch Haniger. Now, Gene Segura is not even there anymore. He's in Philadelphia. Right. And Mitch Haniger, as great as he is, can't stay on the field. Right. I'm a huge fan of Mitch Haniger. When he came through here, just a side tangent, when he came through here with Arizona, he was here for like two weeks and he had like 600. Yeah. I mean, the dude just he couldn't <laughs> get him out. But, yeah, he played um, all season last year, obviously, and he only had three errors in 2019. And he only played, but he only played 83 games at second base. He kind of was everywhere as well. So second base, I've noticed, at least with um, a lot of these players, is second base is their primary position. Right. Almost all of these guys, except for Altuve and Albies, are playing everywhere on the field. Hira doesn't doesn't really matter they'll short third and right. second they'll move around well because a lot of times the players that end up being major league second basemen started through the minor leagues for shortstops third yeah. basemen so they have all the tools to be able to play anywhere on the infield right and they just kind of end up at second base i feel like yeah all right who do you have at one don't hang me i'm sure i'm gonna get some shit for it but i have jose altuve at one Okay. There isn't a second baseman in the league like him right now. Again, there's good second basemen. I'd be lying if I said that this list was easy putting together. It wasn't. It was not. I changed it a bunch. But you think of a solid second baseman in the league, and at least for me, who comes to mind is Jose Altuve. Again, like you were saying, for someone that small to be able to cover so much ground... Jump so high, he's 
for someone that small, how do you generate that much power? He gets the ball as far as Aaron Judge. And he, yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't really care what you say. It's not a cork bat, and he's not testing positive for PEDs. I mean, you like, can say what you will about knowing what pitches are coming, but you still got to hit it. Yeah. And it's not like he is hitting fence scrapers. Like, he's hitting light tower power shots. I mean, so you can even go back to that controversial home run he hit off of Chapman in, right. the, in the division series, or no, championship series. But, I mean, that ball was hit well above the tracks. And I'm sorry it's a Roldis Chapman. Like yeah. It's, he's not – I'm not saying he's easy to hit, but I feel like it's easy to guess what pitch is coming at what time, at least for me. Like just watching well, – He's normally, only got two pitches. I'm normally pretty accurate about, you know, oh, it's this pitch count. He's going to throw you a fastball. Or right. he's going to throw you – you know. But he's he's smart and he doesn't he doesn't make – mistakes very seldom does he make mistakes so super sure-handed fielder too. yeah i mean you're he's talking he's the guy never who doesn't gonna let him go yeah he doesn't make very many errors and plus he he is kind of the elder statesman on this list having been in the major league since 2010 2009 yeah. i don't remember exactly what year he came up but um i no, it was 2000 i don't think it was 2012 because when they were when Matt Cain threw his perfect game against the Astros, I think they were talking about him being a rookie. Hmm. But I do know that he'd suffered through both of Houston's 100 lost seasons. And <laughs> Look at them now. Yeah. Now he's the anti-hero for everybody, pretty yeah. much. And mainly because that home run and the jersey thing. And again, you can have your own opinions on that. Whatever. But we're just we're just here to talk about what we see on the field. And on the field, <laughs> the guy's a great hitter and a great player. Yep. I can't I can't wait to actually start talking about things that are happening on the field. Right. So is there anything else? We we forgot to mention the video. I posted it on Facebook. Yeah. We forgot to mention the video. <laughs> Last week with the A's prospect. Yeah. She oh, his if you goodness. haven't seen it, like he so what's his name? Look it up if you haven't seen it, but this guy <laughs> Hits a moonshot off of his wife. He's a former a, yeah. former Texas A&M uh, pitcher, softball pitcher. Yeah. Does a crazy bat flip, and then the next day is pitching to his wife. Yeah. And she hits maybe more of a moonshot well, off Well, so he, he threw it, and he's like, oh, no. Oh, as yeah. As soon as he threw it. It was so bad. And then she went all, <laughs> she went all Tim Anderson. She grabbed the, the, the knob, the oh, barrel on the bat, and it. just... One winged across the driveway. <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty great. So, all right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. That's all we got for you today. Look forward to bringing you more content. Again, hopefully conversations light up and, and will really continue the way they're going with getting us a, a season to bring you guys more more stuff so thanks yeah, we're for tuning in. Locked in here. MLB trade rumors. Everything yeah. that I, I – see on mlb.com i mean i'm checking it like three or four times a day because yeah. i'm i'm just everything's as, starting to stir i'm just as anxious as you guys i'm waiting you know for for that for that announcement of that of that goal so before we sign off here i do remember they had uh on that starting nine podcast they had shane bieber on uh this last week and basically he was saying that as as baseball players you are um always looking for like a date as your goal, right? right? 
So right now they're all kind of just working without an without There's an nothing. actual date. So like if you know you're gonna be starting the season on X day, you can start ramping yourself because you know how yeah. long it's gonna take you to get to that point. So now it's just like I said, a waiting game just to wait and see some kind of official announcement and hopefully we get one soon. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. I mean we're we're all like I said, we're all just as anxious and and definitely be watching to see how this NASCAR thing turns out and we're gonna obviously hope that everything works runs smoothly for them because I have a feeling that a lot of sports are gonna be looking at this as a spe- yeah. you know, something to to maybe if this is gonna work or not. So with that said, I think uh, I think we're pretty much yeah. I think we're pretty much done That's over here. It. Yeah, episode so, seven concluded. Yeah, I think we're still shooting to record every weekend until yeah. the season starts, and then we'll see what happens from there. But thanks again for listening. Don't forget to uh, share the page. Um, just a quick little housekeeping note because I'm super excited about it. Two weeks ago, before the last podcast, I got a new computer, and I don't know if you could tell, but I got a new microphone too. So now Aaron and I are both stoked on the same equipment. New computer, new microphone. We're stepping up in the world. Right? Yeah, and and just so excited about what, what's going on and uh, what we're, we're going to be able to provide once we have an actual season and things to talk about on the field. So. Yeah. Again, really appreciate the support and look forward to, to talking to you guys every week. See you next time.